Hey y'all, Pastor Emil here with another episode of Sweet Jesus. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet, but Jesus is far, far sweeter. Uh, thanks for tuning in again. Uh, it's a little early for ice cream. My friend Tom here is uh, not looking to have ice cream at 10 o'clock in the morning, and honestly, neither am I at this point. I got to take it easy. I, I like ice cream a little bit too much. But instead, I've got some tea here. Earl Grey is my favorite. Got some honey in there to help make it extra sweet. So pull up a cup of coffee with some uh, sugar, some tea with honey. Uh, maybe you're watching this later on in the afternoon or evening and you got yourself a brownie, a cupcake, or maybe a bowl of ice cream. Uh, maybe a Hagen dazs bar. That's my new uh, the one I, my new go-to and, uh, pull up and, and, and enjoy with us as we talk about how sweet Jesus is. And I got Tom Abney in here today. Tom and I met at an SMA meeting a couple of months ago, uh, maybe two or three months ago. And they have a, a part of the meeting that they try to do each month where they allow somebody to kind of share their testimony Tom shared his testimony, and uh, when I heard his testimony, I said, "Hey, Tom, you got to come in and share this. You got to share this with the world." So, uh, Tom Abney, what's so sweet about Jesus, brother? Well, uh, Jesus that lifted me up from the pits of hell. As a matter of fact, I was uh, December first, nineteen eighty-two, is when I I gave my my heart to the Lord, and everything's been uh, fantastic since then. So this is a very fitting day. Yes. 40 years that's right exactly today uh, how did you know that <laughs> you just said it <laughs> i didn't know that but uh, clear the I lord did i didn't really think about that till we till we talked uh till i saw it on my calendar I said that's pretty cool <laughs> well you know it was, there a, were... it was a wednesday night service yeah wow wednesday yeah. night service yeah. uh we um there were some interesting events that happened to switch from what we originally had which was next thursday yeah I had a guy scheduled to come in here today. He canceled on me on Tuesday night, and I have a meeting now on December 8th that I can't really say no to, yeah. and that all happened in the span of about 24 hours, <laughs> and I said, hey, Tom, you want to come in <laughs> December 1st? Turns out that's what God wanted the whole time. Yeah, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So so tell us about December 1st, 1982. Uh, Jesus saves you from the pits of hell. What, what is that? What's all wrapped up in that? Whoa, my gosh. Yeah, well, uh, uh, first of all, uh, I was, uh, Pastor Moore, St. Angelo, was doing a service that night. And we came from kind of similar backgrounds. He had a previous marriage with, with two boys, and I had a previous marriage with two boys. And I kind of related to him in a, in a special way. And it just uh, kind of opened my heart to to, to relate to him that I, I needed Jesus in my life. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what led up to that? Um, why were you looking? What, what was it that you were? Well, uh, first of all, I'm, I'm born and raised here in Slidell. There's not many of us left here. A lot of a lot of natives have moved in since then. But it's kind of neat growing up in Slidell as a child. You could uh, get on your bike and ride from one end of town to the other and, and – uh, and your mother would say, be home at dark. You know, back then as a child, uh, me and my uh, friends that I grew up with in Slaughter, we've often talked about how what a great city it was to be a child and grow up in the, in the times that we did in Slaughter, Louisiana. It was pretty neat. And uh come from a family of four, three, uh, two brothers and a sister. 
and uh, I uh, graduated from Slidell High in 1969. And during those years, uh, you know, my mother, as a child, we went to church on Sunday. No questions asked. <laughs> and, uh, you know, those were pretty formidable years uh, developing as a child. But as I got older, I kind of drew away from my childhood upbringing of going to church mm. and uh, being rebellious. And at, at a young age, I uh, first time I, I took a drink, a drink, I was, uh, I guess, 15 years old. Mm. And, uh, you know, from, from that time till till. December first, nineteen eighty-two. I was, uh, you know, I would didn't call myself an alcoholic, but pretty much every time I drank or drink, take a drink, I would, you know, basically get a buzz. So, yeah. I guess that's what I was. But and uh, uh, that that was not a, a, a good time in my life. Yeah, fifteen. That's pretty young. Yes. Uh, is that friends or yeah, a friend of mine. Yeah, yeah. his daddy had some. Uh, uh, moonshine in the, in the garage and moonshine. we took advantage of it yeah <laughs> it's kind of nasty really yeah, yeah yeah it is pretty nasty <laughs> it's nasty stuff <laughs> you only drink that for one reason yeah. yes exactly right to get that buzz like you said yeah so i mean did you just start doing that regularly at 15 or it was just sort of the beginning and uh, then something that cropped up later that, that was sort of the beginning uh in high school i was uh a three-sport athlete, uh, football, basketball, baseball. I littered three years in all three sports. Uh, God really blessed me as far as uh, athletic ability and talent. I, I was really blessed in, in, uh, in having those abilities to do that. And uh, as I got older in high school, I, I was uh, uh, my senior year in high school, I was approached by a scout from Ole Miss. And a guy named was Grant Moller. I'll never forget it. He uh, he approached me and he says uh, he he saw one of my games here at Slidell, and he says, "How would you like to come to Ole Miss on the football scholarship?" I said, "Man, that would be awesome." So we got to communicating and uh, come down to the to the I see the day or two days before I was supposed to go sign my scholarship. He called me up. He says, "Tom, I got some bad news for you." I said, "Really?" I said, "What's that?" He says, "Well." Your scholarship offer came came down between you and a guy from Miss, a kid from Mississippi, and we chose the kid from Mississippi. <laughs> so there I am, <laughs> thinking I'm going to Ole Miss to play football, and bam, I get slapped upside the head with that. So that was kind of a kind of a rude awakening, disappointment, very much so. Yeah, and that just kind of drew me a little deeper into to drinking and depression and uh, carousing and things of that sort. As a and uh. Uh, they really, really upset my life. But I guess God had a different plan, me not knowing that at the time, of course. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, a friend of mine and I were driving through Lafayette when they were actually were going to uh, to the western part of the state to visit his family. We stopped stopped in at school in Lafayette, and I said, this looks like a good place to go to school. So I uh, signed <laughs> up there. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And uh so anyhow, that uh, I went there as a freshman, and uh, I walked on. Uh, it was too late to walk on for the football team. I thought about that, but uh, the baseball was just their fall ball was starting. So I said, "Well, let me let me give that a shot." I was an all-state baseball player, so I was pretty good. So I uh, Bobby Bannon was the coach at the time, and uh, he saw how 
how my athletic ability and my skills were in baseball. And then uh, he said, man, we're going to offer you a scholarship. So rather than going to class every day, I went to the keg every night, <laughs> which was a bad idea. Yeah. And, and uh, during the fall ball, I was pretty good. I, I led the team in a couple of categories. And uh, come to find out, come December, I got my grades. They, they were not so good. Yeah, so well, I, you kind of got to go to class. It kind of goes along with uh, with your scholarship. You have to go to class, but I didn't do that. So I, I parted my way right out of school. And uh, that led me into deeper depression. I, 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 I went to night school at Southeastern with a buddy of mine and took some classes. And I finally, uh, after four semesters of being a second semester freshman, I decided college wasn't for me. So <laughs> that was... Uh, uh, wasn't, wasn't my thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think more and more people are realizing that today, but yeah. uh, maybe a topic for another time. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I uh, met this uh, young lady. She was from Alabama. It was kind of, a, kind of a fling. We decided to get married. I did at a very uh, early, young age in 1971 and uh, had... Uh, the whole time I was married to my first wife, things weren't weren't good. Constant bickering and fighting and arguing. But the best thing that happened was my two older boys, Tom Jr. and Scott. Uh, that's the, the best thing that could happen to me out of that marriage. Uh, we uh, divorced, separated. She moved back to Alabama with them. And uh, I went into a deeper depression, more drinking and carousing. And... and uh, come to be uh i was kicked out almost every ballroom in slidell mm. which was you know uh one of the things i get from from being a, a carouser like that but uh all the time all this time you know w- when you're in sin you know you're doing wrong deep down inside something inside of you is telling you what you're doing is wrong so uh uh eventually you know i said look I, this has got to stop so i uh the, the lady I'm married to now, uh, my wife Fifi, we had uh, we had got together uh, back in when I separated from my wife. So we started going to church with her mother at the First Assembly of God, and on that Wednesday night service, everything changed my life from then on. Mm. Morris uh, Saint Angelo was there that night. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Uh, was that the church he was at, or was he? He, he was an elder at the church at that time. He? Yes, okay. he was uh, before he started his church. Okay. Yes. So, what was it that you heard that night? Was it something you heard, or was it? It's and just an encounter with God. Uh, obviously, I think God works through His Word, through the preaching of His Word, also. So, you know, what was it that that happened to to knock some sense into you? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's exactly what I needed. I, I can't really recall what the, what the message was that night, but when he did the altar call, I just felt the calling on my heart that this is what I need to do to straighten my life out. And and uh, me and my my wife now we both went up and and were saved that night. So it's kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. And and what changed with that? What was it that receiving Christ, believing in Jesus? Uh, handing yourselves over to him just kind of hey take what we got left (laughs) yeah Uh, what what changed how did it change well i mean you just get a whole different perspective on life 
you know, uh, all the things you did in the past really didn't mean anything anymore. You know, I didn't didn't have the need to uh, to drink or carouse or do anything like that. It just totally totally did a one eighty. It's kind of funny. I was uh, from my previous life. I, they, I, I got to teach in Sunday school there. Uh, my first lesson I had was turn the other cheek, <laughs> which is kind of humorous since I was a, a, a fighter and a bouncer in the <laughs> ballroom. <laughs> God has it does have a sense of humor, but that, I'll never forget that. That was my very first lesson. I, I taught junior high boys that uh, that I that I taught to my boys, which was, was kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. So I think um, sometimes people resist God, resist Jesus, res- and, and I think it's something we all struggle with daily. I know I struggle. Like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do today? But you know, here are my plans. So just make sure you keep it within my plans. Right? Yeah, I think we all have a tendency to do that sometimes. But what you're kind of highlighting, I think, is that. When you finally are willing to just say, hey, God, whatever, yeah. clearly my plans are not all that great. <laughs> uh, Funny story. I graduated with guys with four pastors, Jerry Cochran, uh, Jody Woodward, Gerald Stevens, who was a, uh, a professor at the uh, seminary in, in New Orleans East, and they all worked on me Wow! <laughs> during my formidable <laughs> route of years so i was kind of kind of kind of didn't have a didn't have a chance i was predestined to, to be saved <laughs> yeah that was kind of kind of neat that i did graduate with with four pastors in my class it was kind of neat wow yeah. yeah well but i think that also that's a helpful thing for people to keep in mind you know you have people in your life that you want to know Jesus, right? yeah. you want them to encounter Christ and to have the hope and the joy and the peace and all that stuff that you have, and it seems like it's just never going to work. Yeah, all right. But that—that's got to have been a few years, right? You graduated in 1969, yes, and then it wasn't until 1982, correct? You know, so that's 13 years. Yeah, it takes a while. Yeah, you got to have some patience. Yeah, it, and all along I didn't know this, but they were praying for me. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe some lessons for us today, me and listeners, anybody. If there are people that you want to taste and see that the Lord is good, pray for them and slowly but surely work on them. Yeah. But also those are the people that are eventually going to have some kind of impact. It wasn't them that led you to the Lord, right? I mean, that wasn't. They tried. They tried. Yeah. But then everything they'd been doing, I don't think it was wasted. Yeah. Right? No, it wasn't. It just took somebody from the outside to finally, you know, click, right? Someone I could relate to. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, yes. someone you can relate to. Yeah. Yeah. So there are there are people out there that we will each individually better relate to. Yeah. I don't relate to everybody. Yeah. Not everybody looks at me and goes, Oh, I'm like that guy. You know, especially because I'm a pastor. Yeah. I mean, most people are not pastors. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you said you had a previous marriage with two boys, previous marriage, two boys, right? These simple little things that are able to draw people in in ways that even people that love them like crazy and have been working on them for years can't draw them in. Correct. But we got to be open to being used. 
yeah. for those things. Yeah, God put someone in my life that I could relate to. Yeah. So, yeah. So if you got somebody out there uh, that you're praying, uh, well, if you're not praying for them, you should be praying for them. Somebody you want to know Jesus, pray for them and pray that God leads the right person and then just keep gently working on them yes. with your own little, your, your own witness, right? Yeah. What was it, you know, what was it that kept you drinking and carousing, as you say, right? Yeah. Like. Was there a sense that, yeah, it starts with disappointment, right? So when I hear your story, it makes me kind of go, well, this is something that relates to a lot of people today. We often think about the gospel as you're a sinner and sin is uh, needs punishment and Jesus took the punishment so that you aren't punished. You just have to receive Jesus, believe in Jesus, and 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 you'll get this gift, and you get to live forever with God in in heaven. I'm not saying that's false, okay? Yeah. Just yeah. But I think today most people don't they don't it doesn't resonate with them. That message doesn't resonate with them because they don't think they're bad. You know, we have a culture that kind of says you sort of make up what's right and wrong. Yeah. Right. Uh, so. That doesn't mean that there isn't actual right and wrong, but I'm I'm think, thinking how do you how do you reach them? And your story, I think, shows that you may have your hopes were really wrapped up in being able to play football for Ole Miss. Yes, and then even baseball and being the best at baseball wasn't enough to make up for the fact that you couldn't play football at Ole Miss. Right. Right. And then drinking wasn't enough to make up for the fact that you couldn't play football at Ole Miss, right? And and so I think everybody relates to that in the sense that we all wind up breaking the first commandment. We have other gods. We have other things that we think are everything. Yeah. We have other things that we think our lives lives are complete, completely dependent upon, right? Like, I'll never get my life back on track because... That stupid kid from Mississippi got the scholarship and not me. Uh, so when you receive Christ, it seems like it's not so much about being forgiven as it is, now I don't need all those things I thought I needed. Yeah. Is that fair? Does that sound? Yeah, I guess for 13 years I was trying to, to bury my disappointment. Mm-hmm. More or less, and it uh, just finally caught up with me. Enough is enough. Yeah, you know it's time to straighten your life out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, we all face disappointment. Yeah, no matter what. But when you don't have Jesus, you don't have a stabilizing force. You don't have an anchor in the storm. Yeah, does that sound fair? Is that your experience? absolutely? Yeah. yeah. And, and and another thing we were talking earlier before we came in here about uh, the parable of the talents. You know, the mm. master given given the talents, one bearing his talent, and that that often bothered me throughout my life that uh, that I buried my talent that God gave me. But as I told you, I guess God had different plans. You know, <laughs> yeah, burying the, the baseball talent. Correct. Yeah, because you yes. were best hitter on the team. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but. Yeah, it's like I said, God had different plans, and if if I would have 
uh, went on and, and pursued that career, you know, it probably would have been a disastrous story because of of, of my uh, indulgence in what I was doing. Well, yeah, you just have more access to more Correct. things to Correct. numb the disappointment. Right. And I, I think we we see that in professional sports. I mean, there are guys and they make it and they're okay. But then there are guys that make it and they're not okay. Right. And it's so, so it's not success that makes you not okay. It's you're not okay. And it doesn't matter what you get. It's not going to be enough. That's right. And, uh, that's uh, success is actually disappointing because it doesn't take away all your other disappointments. It doesn't fill that spot that God's got. Yes. Right. It, it's his spot that's right, right here. That That's his spot, not anything else's. Yeah. And uh, being the best baseball player in the world would have been just as disappointing because <laughs> it still wasn't that's the right. old Miss scholarship, <laughs> right? That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. No, nothing nothing can, can take the place of what God does in your life. Everything else is just immaterial. Yeah. And when you when you finally realize that is when you can can be at peace with uh, with your disappointment, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's um something that our culture doesn't teach people. Yeah. And uh, you know, they're not worried about a scholarship to Ole Miss, they're worried about looking a certain way. Yeah. They're worried about having a certain amount of money having a certain kind of family, a certain kind of reputation, a certain career, success, right? I mean, that's basically like one career versus another career. And uh, eventually people hit a wall. Things don't go perfectly always. I mean, I can't even go through one day with things going right. You know, like <laughs> you get it, go to the grocery store, you pick one line, and for sure it's the line that's not going to move, yeah. right? Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you pull up to the the red light and you pick this lane and that's the lane that ain't gonna move it's just the way it is yeah some guy's on the phone in front of you <laughs> there you go the guy who was zooming he's like oh i gotta get behind this guy yeah. so i don't have to get stuck and then he's on the phone yeah he suddenly got this important call and he ain't paying attention on nothing <laughs> that's correct <laughs> if those little things don't work the way we want them to work what makes us think everything else is going to yes and so uh i think we as christians need to challenge people more and say what are you going to do when your plan doesn't work yeah because it ain't eventually it won't work yeah anything uh what, what's the aftermath of that december 1st 1982 what happens specifically like immediately after that um any details as to how the transformation unfolded was it just kind of hey that was it it was over i didn't need to drink anymore i didn't you're teaching sunday school about turning the other cheek <laughs> uh it, it was pretty pretty dramatic i uh i just totally did a 180 you know and uh funny funny story my uh my ex didn't believe what happened, so she actually called Brother O, my my former pastor at First Assembly, to see if it was true or not, whether or not I was going to church, and and uh, gave my life to the Lord. So that's that's kind of funny because she knew how bad I was. Yeah, yeah. Wow. 
Yeah. Well, you seem like a pretty good guy now. Well, I, I, I try. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you just don't know what kind of impact that, that you have or your testimony has on people. Can I, can I tell you one story about that? Absolutely. Yeah, please. I, I, I ran for city council, which was a great experience back in uh, earlier this year. And as I was going around, I'd, uh, I ran into this young man that uh, uh, Jody Clement, I'll tell you, he works at the uh, Easy Loop on Old Spanish Trail. And we got to talk, and he, and he pulled me aside. He says, man, I want to thank you. I says, uh, and I had no idea what he was talking about. He says, uh, he said, as a child, you were a father figure to me. Him and uh, my older son, Tommy, were friends. At, at church, Jody was in my Sunday school class, and Tommy, when he'd come for the summer, he'd stay all summer, my older boys, when they lived in Alabama, him and Jody got to be good friends. He said, I'd come over to your house, and he says, I always looked up to you as a father figure. He says, I uh, I, uh, I admired the way you, you, you parented Tommy, and he said, uh, when I grew up, I started coaching kids. I coached Little League ball, and he says, uh, you had a big impact on my life, so you never know what kind of impact you have on someone. Yeah. It's kind of neat. Real neat. Yeah. We are everywhere we go. We're either leading people to Jesus yeah. or driving people from Jesus. Yeah. Just by your actions. Not always by your words, but yeah. how, how you act. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure you weren't perfect every day. No. Right? No. And so I think we get so nervous sometimes about when, when we hear that, right? We just gave everybody this <laughs> super, super big burden, like, hey, don't mess up. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think it's be perfect. I think it's uh, how do you be imperfect in a way that shows Jesus to people? Yeah. Can you recognize your own imperfection? Most, a lot of people can't. You got you got to humble yourself a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. And what's the greatest resource for humility? Jesus. Yes. I mean, Jesus, the God of the universe, who humbled himself to hang out with a bunch of losers like us, <laughs> left the <laughs> confines of bliss and joy and peace and everything in heaven to come into this mess, a train wreck of a world, yeah. to endure everything it had to offer, to suffer, to die for us, Yeah. right? And how do we come to Jesus? Well, first we have to know that we can't do it ourselves and that our careers aren't going to do it for us, our scholarships to Ole Miss aren't going to do it right. for us, our looks, it's never going to satisfy that that need. It's never going to solve our problems. But Jesus comes, he dies, he rises, he wants us. He shows us this is incredible love. He shows us that he knows exactly how bad we really are, right? If we're so bad, he has to come from heaven and die. But he was happy to do it. Yes. And so when you know how bad you already are, and you know that there's this person that knew what nobody else knows, and they came and they demonstrated love for you anyway, how can you not be willing to say, okay, I was wrong, sorry? Yeah, a lot of times we don't want to swallow our pride and sacrifice uh, 
our desires. And uh, I think that's what holds up a lot of people from uh, accepting Jesus. It, yeah, uh, it's just have to surrender totally. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you've uh, heard this story, but this idea of surrender, it's like we fear like we're going to lose control of our lives. Yes. Like if we, if we surrender, if we give up our day, <laughs> our, our entire life, somehow it's just going to get out of control crazy. And actually, it's the opposite. Yeah. Our lives are going to get out of control crazy the more we try to control it. And they'll get better if we let God, right? And I don't know if you've ever heard this before. There's, uh, I forget the details. I'm sure there's more than one instance of this happening. But, you know, somebody goes whitewater rafting. Have you ever been whitewater rafting? I haven't. I have not either, but I've seen enough that I this makes sense. And what they tell you, I guess, is, you know, if you fall out, you know, you got to, if it's really strong rapids, you can't fight the current. You know, you can't try to swim yeah. out of it. What you really have to do is just surrender, essentially. Yeah. And so there's a story I heard somebody telling one time about somebody who falls out and they're trying like crazy to fight the current. The current wants to pull them down. You know, and they fight, they fight, they fight until finally they drown. As soon as they drowned, as soon as they gave up, they got sucked under and popped right back up in a quieter place of the water. If they would have done that of their own free will before they drowned, yeah, <laughs> it would have just taken them under and put them right where they needed to be. And that seems like what you're describing. Is that fair? Does that sound yeah, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we we don't want to give up control of our lives, but uh, uh, that's what we have to do when we surrender to Jesus. He who seeks to save his life will lose it. Will lose it. He who loses his life for my sake and the Gospels will find it. Amen. Yeah. Well, brother, you got anything you want to add? Uh, not really. I, I just uh, appreciate the opportunity for letting you let me come in and share my uh, share my testimony. Yeah, that's good stuff. We need more people uh, hearing these stories and more people telling these stories. And if you ever got anything you want to share, you just let me know. I will. All right. Thank you. Hey, y'all. Jesus loves you. Jesus is uh, far better than anything else you're striving after. And uh, it may seem scary to surrender, but here's a guy who surrendered and finally got free of all kinds of disappointment and depression and chaos. Uh, so, so think about letting go and letting God, to use a overused cliche, but one that uh, certainly applies here for, for Tom. Amen. And uh, probably I needed to hear this just as much as you did. So taste and see that the Lord is good. Ice cream is sweet. But Jesus is far sweeter. God bless you. We'll see you. Bye-bye.